Welcome. My name is Jay Rosenthal, and I am the Managing Director of Business of Cannabis. Yesterday, we launched this channel officially, so if this is your first time with us on Cannabis Daily from Business of Cannabis, we welcome you. We've been populating this YouTube channel from our Business of Cannabis archive, so when you're done with this program, we encourage you to have a look around. And like all YouTube channels, I'm obligated to ask you to smash the subscribe button right here. And if you're tuning in outside of YouTube, we'd encourage you to head to our channel anyway to subscribe. For those of you that are new to Business of Cannabis, since 2017, we've highlighted the companies, brands, people, and trends driving the cannabis industry, and that's what we look to do here today and every day. First, we'll run down the key stories we're following. Then, we'll go to a cannabis conversation with a cannabis newsmaker and our B of C Live segment. Today, that conversation is with Ian Kwachansky and Kevin Lamb of Loophole, a Canadian cannabis company that's built into their business model support for Canadian artists, musicians, and creators. So stay tuned for that. It was recorded as part of Lyft & Co Expo in November in Toronto. As always, we'd love to hear your comments in the comment section, and feel free to visit us at businessofcannabis.com as well, uh, and through all of our social channels, Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram, some of which you are watching us on right now. To our stories that we are following today, there's some immediate breaking news this morning from our friends at MJBiz and MJBizCon which is very on trend for 2022 because the next story we're going to talk about is 2022's top cannabis trends. Story three, did stimulus checks boost cannabis sales in 2020? We'll look at Canada's cannabis industry hopes for 2022 and as well, some top trends from Europe. This morning, it was announced that Emerald X, a wholly owned subsidiary of Emerald, which is a large events and media company in a variety of sectors, acquired MJ Biz, including their conference for a cool $120 million. We continue to watch how this affects, impacts, benefits the cannabis sector. So stay tuned. And we hope to see you in Vegas later this year. Now, 2022's top cannabis trends, the obligatory year end predict, uh, year beginning uh, prediction genre is in full swing with MJ Biz picking its top trends to watch in 2022, including M&As like Waiters recently announced acquisition of Cova and actually MJ Biz itself being acquired by Emerald. More California municipalities approving stores to combat illicit sales, industry-wide calls for lower taxes to make the, the legal industry more competitive, Canadian mergers and acquisitions driven by market share losses and underperformance of some of the largest brands, while overperformance of some of the teeny tiny brands and some of the craft growers. Climate change challenges continue to plague the industry, especially on the West Coast with fires, heat, uh, and other uh, climate factors. Social equity will continue to be a focus and there will be continued state-by-state -state reform, but no federal legalization. That, according to MJ Biz and a little bit of our own, we anticipate MJ BizCon having better security than they did in 2021. Did, see, did stimulus checks boost cannabis sales in 2020? Forbes took aim at an October CNN story that claimed cannabis is one industry that actually coming out of COVID even stronger. Pointing to that, the Cali in California at least, sales have decreased as much as 20 to 30 percent year over year. So Forbes taking issue with CNN. While many have called for lower taxes, as we talked about in the trends, and expanded retail to help states regulated industry, dispensary staff and owners also say stimulus checks may have helped boost numbers earlier in the pandemic. Now to Canada. Canada's cannabis industry hopes for 2022. Executives and advocates such as 
the president and CEO of the Cannabis Council of Canada, George Smitherman, and Mandesh Dosanjh, president and CEO of Pearson Farms, shared what regulatory changes they're hoping for to improve industry viability. They shared that with Yahoo Finance on their wish list. Stronger potency limits on edibles and beverages as well. Allowing more flexible, environmentally friendly flower packaging. That's what consumers want for sure. Lower excise taxes and adjustments. Standardized testing and, and more uh, uh, view from Health Canada what that standardized testing actually looks like. Less price compression. And overall, just don't get too excited about what is coming because Health Canada's review of the Cannabis Act isn't really coming until 2023. Now, to Europe and from our friends and partners at Prohibition Partners, they are also getting in on the act on prognostication for 2022. They are looking at adult use legalization in Europe, brand building and equity opportunities within the, pro the continent, increased normalization of cannabis and certainly CBD as well, and clarity on the regulations and stability in capital markets. The takeaway, according to them, we'll see an increase in progressive new legislation and regulations next year, which will provide clarity for existing markets and form the basis of new ones. Now, we invite you to join our conversation with Ian Kwachansky and Kevin Lamb from Loophole, a cannabis brand in Canada that has been supporting cannabis artists and creators into their mission, vision, and values as well. Ian was on Dragon's Den pitching the company. We've had on Raid Meta uh, from Our Lady Peace on Business of Cannabis to talk about the company as well. And now Kevin Lamb has joined their team. He is formerly with the Ontario Cannabis Store. So without further ado, this is Ian and Kevin and I connecting at the Lift & Co Expo in November in Toronto. Ian and Kevin, thanks for being here. Thank you for having us. I'm excited to have you because we're going to talk about Loophole. Love it. See, I did it right this time. Love that. Um, give us the quick and dirty on Loophole and then we'll get into it. Uh, Loophole is a artist co-owned cannabis brand that will be launching in Ontario this January. Uh, the unique thing about us is we are co-owned by a collective of seven major artists. So Our Lady Peace, Blue Rodeo, Stars, Felix Cartel, Kaiza, Division and Roy Woods. So, I like how you did that. That was very good. You gotta have, and it's all the genres as well too. You have rock, country, alternative, EDM, pop, rap, and hip hop. Uh, sorry, uh, rap and R&B. And the differentiator between us is we're going beyond the product, and instead we're going to use a portion of our proceeds to create a grant program for independent and underrepresented artists. So at the store, we're the first brand you can differentiate in two words, which is support creators. Yeah. Those are, well, should we just end the interview there? That's it. <laughs> thank you, Mike. Thank you so much. I'm uh, just kidding, but thank you. That's a very good overview, and I know you're practiced in it because you're on Dragon's End, so uh, people know you from that, and that was a very good pitch. Uh, Most of it. No, well, yeah, that's true. Most of it. Uh, but also, I got to um, because of Loophole, I got to talk to Rain Meta, which was cool too. Um, so I feel a little bit cooler by association that I actually. That's why I started the whole company, by the way. So you get to talk to Rain Meta. Absolutely. <laughs> That'll do. Um, uh, so we're obviously standing here with Kevin, yeah. uh, and Kevin is your new hire, I guess we could say. Kevin, talk about uh, where you came from. You're now the chief commercial officer of Loophole. Loophole? Loophole. Shit. Um, but talk about where you came from because obviously it'll plant the seeds. Yeah, absolutely. No, I'm glad to be here, glad to uh, partner with Ian and, and uh, get this company up and running and commercializing. So yeah, it's been exciting. Obviously my background at the OCS uh, uh, has been useful and helpful to be able to navigate the waters with the with the boards yeah. as well. So we're starting in Ontario, we're gonna go over to Alberta, BC, Saskatchewan, you know, sky's the limit uh, on that, but to, you know, be able, being able to commercialize and get something listed within the boards, that's something I'm able to help out and, and uh, now 
then the next evolution is to start selling the product to consumers, to licensed retailers. So super excited about that. It is exciting, um, and you know because you are uh, work at the Ontario Cannabis Store, it is challenging for brands to differentiate themselves, not only in this environment, but all brands are new-ish yeah. now, or still, and like how to differentiate is critically important, which is why the company has a unique thing that they offer, of course to consumers and to boards, but I think the real nugget is that having bud tenders be able to say something is like the juiciest. There's a coolness factor, so I'll tell you, even, even whether at board level or now, right now, stores and the consumers are always asking for two things. What's the highest THC? Right. What's new? Right. We we fit the new and coolness factor, so we got something to talk about. People are excited about the product and they want to try it. They want to uh, continue to buy it. Mm -hmm. So we've got that uh, locked in, locked and loaded. Yeah, it is very very compelling. And Ian, talk a little bit about sort of when you conceived the company. Like, what were you, what were you thinking the landscape was going to look like? Because the landscape shifts so dramatically. Was it really we're going to create something independent of what is happening? sort of outside because we're going to do this like support creators like think about that and, and sort of what the landscape is right now I I think I sort of saw where I thought things were going to go the, the analogy I like to use is like you know you saw companies like Canopy and Aurora who built out these mega facilities assuming that they could sell absolutely every single product that they made and there is no brands that were out there yet so where I was really looking at it the, the analogy I sort of use is people don't buy Pepsi because it's made with red path sugar they right. buy Pepsi because it's made with Pepsi right and so where I really saw was you know people were really looking at the short term at that time which was we need to create all these facilities to grow all this cannabis we need to grow all these things ready for 2.0 but at the end of the day all those things don't matter unless you actually have a brand that's actually going to sell through and when I started reading C45 and saw those regs and saw how unbelievably restrictive they were going to be like we need something different and, and when different. You, you need to do something different and as well within our regulations, it's very, very difficult, but I think there's a huge opportunity to build a brand by being social forward. And I yeah. thought that was a really, really cool opportunity and to create something of substance over celebrity, which I felt was being overemphasized and mm. you know, coming from my background in music, that's that's not a long-term viable business. That doesn't speak to the hearts of consumers. Right, and it is this authenticity that I think is We've seen celebrity brands, yep. for sure. We've even seen music-led celebrity brands. Many of them. But it's really a one-way street, not a two-way street, and not a yes. sort of way to grow the pie, I guess is my point. Like, yes, of course, artists are getting paid to rep brands. That's happened forever. Yep. Relatively unsuccessfully, I yep. think, in cannabis. But it is this idea that these people are bought in and authentically engaged yep. and Canadian. Like, that. all those things seem to be a nice mix. By design, it was yeah. like created like that because so the challenges that some of the other ones were doing, they were selling on a brand of celebrity over substance um, that very, 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 very few companies that will ever resonate with first and foremost. So as a long term strategy, that's not the right approach to be able to do it. And from our end, what I really drew a lot of inspiration one from was two different companies. One was Beats by Dre. Yeah. You know, they became huge because they didn't fragment out the market to go a Drake headphone, a LeBron headphone, right. a Kylie headphone. They united all these different groups under one banner and that's how you really achieve mass appeal. Mm -hmm. And then you also look at a company like Red Bull. Red Bull never sold a can of their product by going like, you know, Red Bull tastes like crushed pills and baby aspirin. Right. They did it by organically integrating into lifestyle and culture. And I've always been a big believer of enable the creators and the loyalty will come. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't seeing that happening. And I, I saw that opportunity and where I think I saw this industry going in a few years time and where it will continue to go. Yeah, and Kevin, thinking about that, because you've seen the full landscape yep. and not only things that are on the shelves that we all see, but probably lots of things that we don't see that just don't make it. Um, 
and thinking about the positioning of, of the company, like how unique from your perspective is that on the landscape of all the things you've seen? Yeah, so you touched on it. There's been a number of celebrity brands that have not made it, and, and to be honest, even at the board level at the time. You can say they we, suck. Well, okay, <laughs> I won't say that, but, but, but it, it was a difficult uh, hill to climb. So, you know, obviously a little bit concerning on uh, how do we all differentiate, but truly, to Ian's point, these are artist owners, they're part of the company. They're not just somebody licensing a name and, and trying to be out there. That's fundamentally different. Yeah. Um, the, the other part of it is that we have the ability to create and select strains that really resonate with uh, the consumer, with the artist as well. So down the road, there's a lot of collaborations that we can do, think about, uh, and I think that's really super exciting. And again, back to the answering the question is what's new, we're nimble enough to be able to make that change and adjustment and say, hey, let's pick something short term, like an in and out skew or something to keep that always fresh and exciting for licensed retailers, but also for consumers. I love it. I appreciate you guys taking time. It's been nice to get to know you, you and your previous role, but nice to see you here. And uh, thanks for stopping by. Great, thank you. Thank you for joining us here today. Thank you, Ian and Kevin, for stopping by the booth at Lyft. Those are the stories, and that is the conversation we're talking about today. Join 10,000 others and catch all these stories and more in your inbox every day at 7 a.m. in our Cannabis Daily newsletter. Again, that was episode two of Cannabis Daily, so we're working out the kinks. We hope you'll stay with us. Thank you for joining us here on YouTube. Thank you for joining us wherever you saw this. We invite you to subscribe to our YouTube channel by clicking subscribe on the button below. If you're joining us not on YouTube, we'd still encourage you to subscribe on YouTube, and that link should be in the title at bofc.me slash YouTube. We will see you all on Wednesday.